Hi, this is Eli Nelson, and this is the My City Church Podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. It is our prayer that this message will awaken you to come alive in the things of Christ. Enjoy the message. Jesus in this place today. Amen. We're going to continue in the delivery of the word just through a different method. One was through song and praise, and now we're going to do it through the word of God. So if you have your Bible, uh, open up to Genesis chapter 13. Genesis chapter 13. Thank you, worship team. You guys can head off. Reeve, you can stay up here just for a moment here. Genesis 13, we're going to continue in our series of, of real friends, uh, fake friends, real friends. And uh, uh, I'm excited to be able to be back in the pulpit today to be able to share the Word of God with you guys today. How many of y'all hungry for the Word of God this morning? Come on, I am as well. If you have your Bibles, open up to Genesis 13. I'm going to ask that if you did take a seat, that if you, if you are able to stand up in the honor of the reading of the Word of the Lord today. Genesis chapter 13. We're going to start in verse 5. If you're there, say, I'm there. If you're not there, say, hold up. Hold up. All right, we'll give you a minute. We'll give you a minute, two minutes, if you like that. We're going to be shutting the, setting the, shutting, <laughs> setting the, the background of today's message is about Abraham, uh, also known as Abram, and his nephew, Lot. Uh, Abram and nephew are so abundantly blessed that there's not enough grass in the field to take care of all of their herds. And uh, so they decide that, hey, it wouldn't be best. It would actually be detrimental if, because there's all this conflict happening between our herdsmen that we got to separate and go to different parts. And so as we talk about real friends, I want to talk about that idea kind of of separation. And how do you handle friendships that you've lost? And I believe the Word of God can speak to every area of our life. It's just not some book that we read, but it's actually a book that reads us. And I believe that there is a word for you from the Holy Spirit here today. Genesis chapter 13, we're going to start in verse 5. It says, now Lot, this was Abram's nephew, who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. But the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. That's blessing, my friend. Right? I believe that God does have blessing for you. That uh, uh, is not God's desire for us to always be in lack, but so that we can abound in every good work, even as Derek's offering message had. Verse 7 it says, in quarreling, uh-oh, we got a fight going on, arose between Abram's herdsmen and the herdsmen of Lot. The Canaanites and Perizzites were also living in the land at that time. So Abram said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herdsmen and mine. For we are brothers. Say, you're my brother from another mother. Say, or my sister from another mister. Hey, there you go. Verse 9, is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Basically, we're not going to be around each other anymore. Lot looked up and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, towards Zorah. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan, and set out towards the east. The two men parted company. Abram lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. I think that was it. That was all I had, yeah. I could have kept reading, but I don't think I had that on the screen. 
All right, so I want to talk to you about this idea. Here we have Abram and his nephew, Lot, separating. Now, I don't know about you, but I've had some relationships in my life that I've separated from. And I believe that there is a, a word for you today. And if you've had some relationships, maybe some loved ones that you've lost or maybe some that have walked out on you, uh, I believe that this word has power to bring healing in the name of Jesus. So how many of y'all ready for the preaching of the word as we go into today? Come on. So do me a favor. Before you take your seat, as you're making your way to your seat, look to your neighbor and say the title of today's message. Say, look around. Look around. Now, now I want you to do this one thing for me. I want you to take a look around. Tell me what you see. Look around and then be seated. You don't have to tell me what you see. I don't know why I said that. Amen. Come on. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for your word. Uh, it heals us. It strengthens us. It, it gives us courage. Uh, even in our weakness, God, we thank you uh, for your presence that is in this place. Amen. Amen. All right. Look around. Look around. Take a moment. Look around. Look around. Look around. What do you see? What do you see? Look around. There's this thing about friends. We've been talking about, you know, uh, fake friends, real friends, and We've had the opportunity of hearing from some great communicators in this house, Pastor Tyler, Kelsey, and Pastor Danny, last three weeks. How many of y'all enjoyed all of those messages? And uh, I am excited to be able to close out this collection of talks, Real Friends. And uh, there's something about friends nowadays that I think has been watered down. And I think the reason why it's been watered down is because of social media. I mean, you look at Facebook right now, uh, you have a lot of friends. And they use that word friends, but let's be honest, like, Apparently, I have a 1,000 friends or close to a 1,000 friends, which I didn't even know about. And apparently, someone could just choose to be my friend. And I, I finally turned on this thing where they had to request and I had to accept, which that's awesome. And, you know, for Instagram, Instagram has, it doesn't have friends. What does it have? Help me out here. What does Instagram have? It has followers, right? But then they just added this thing where you can share your story to close friends. So it's assuming that those other ones, the generic ones, are your friends, but these ones are your close friends. So they're your friends, but they're not really called your friends, but they kind of are your friends implied by calling the other ones close friends. And I think it all began with MySpace and the top 10 uh, friends list. How many of y'all remember the top 10 friends list on MySpace? How many of you know what MySpace is, by the way? All right, there. Okay, good, good, good. Like you had your own homepage. You had your own background. I did like the neon colors in the back, and I had my own music, like my own walk-up song when they came to my page, and I never did the top 10 list, because all it did was cause problems and div divisiveness amongst my friendships, and some people would, would demote people and promo people based off of conversations and relationship status. Uh, you would be in the top 10, and all of a sudden, you'd be removed from the top 10. It was, it was quite uh, immature, if you ask me, and, and not even a, a good way of handling relationships, and you know, so there's a difference between like friends close friends, and, you know, Jesus had friends. He had the three disciples, Peter, James, and John, that were kind of closer, and then he had the 12 disciples. He said, you are no longer my disciples. I call you my friends, and, but he also had one really close friend, and many scholars believe that it was Lazarus was a really close friend uh, of, of Jesus, and it's important for you to have different levels of friendships, you know, like to be able to be open and transparent with. Like, not everyone has access to your life, right? To be able to share with someone, you have to have someone in your life, and the problem is as we share with people, the closer we've got to them, we actually leave ourselves uh, more vulnerable to be wounded by them. And that's the idea of, of, of separation. When it happens, it can actually leave a void in our heart that the Holy Spirit wants to be able to heal. And this thing about friends is all, is all great. You know, I've heard the story, the saying that says, uh, uh, friends will help you move, but, you know, a good friend will help you move a body. 
and, and, and it's true. Like, hey, bro, you can come to me about anything, and, and I'm going to help you through it. How many of you guys have a close friend like that that you can go to? And, and, and I've had those in my life, and I've also lost those in my life where you would think that, man, this person is like ride or die. Like, we're, we're going to be together for our entire lives. You know, best friends forever, best friends forever, ring. Who finished that with me? Who was that? There? Hey! <laughs> That's SpongeBob for anyone. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, and I, I've had those friendships in my life that I've I thought, you know, man, these people are we're in it um, for a lifetime, and and only to see them kind of fade out of my life. I mean, everyone when they've left high school, they said to their high school classmates, "Bro, we're gonna be friends forever." But let's be honest, like. How many times did you hang out after high school was over? Uh, some of the people I said, bro, we're going to be talking like every week. we got to make sure we stay in touch. And I don't think I ever talked to them uh, once after that. And my grade was weird. We skipped our 10-year uh, high school reunion. We just didn't even have it. It was like a vote on Facebook, and only like 30 people were like, yeah, I'm going. And so they ended up not having it. So best friends forever, right? So we see this conflict happen between Abram and and. Lot. Now, this isn't necessarily a bad conflict. People break up their friendships and their relationships for various reasons. Uh, some are good, and you could argue this thing with Abram and Lot was kind of good, but they're also trying to navigate a conflict between their herdsmen. Obviously, they're like, hey, this is my grass, yo, homie, get off my grass and let my cattle and let my sheep eat. And the other one's like, no, yo, homie, this is my grass as well. And so then they ended up parting ways, and it was probably a good decision for them to part ways. But then all of us have lost a relationship to an extent that probably wasn't a good decision. It was a result of conflict. And, and now we look at conflict as a bad thing when conflict is actually a good thing. It can, it can help strengthen us. And get this, you can't actually really be close to someone without conflict, right? Because you actually see a part of them that they're being vulnerable with. It's important to be able to have conflict. What you do with conflict is what matters more than if or not there's going to be conflict, because conflict is inevitable. What you do with it determines if you'll continue to walk together or not. Amos 3.3 says, do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? That's him asking a question. He's like, no, they don't. Like, they have to have agreed to walk together. That means, re irregardless of conflict, we are choosing to walk together. He says, how can two walk together unless they've agreed? That means that there's going to be something that comes up that will inhibit them from walking together unless they've agreed beforehand that, hey, we're going to walk together regardless of what comes up. That's why marriage is so important before you move in together. That's why marriage is so important before you sleep together. That's why because inevitably something's going to come up. Something's going to come up that's going to rub you the wrong way or rub your spouse the wrong way. And for you to have that agreement, we are agreeing to walk together. That's why they say for better or for worse... Uh, some say for richer and poor or uh, whether your money jiggle jiggles or folds. And it, it's irrelevant of where you are at in life. We have agreed to walk together. So guess what? No matter what comes against us, it is us together coming against that. We're not fighting each other. We are actually on each other's side working against whatever is coming up against us. And it also creates a great environment and a home for children to be, to be reared in. And that's why it's important that you agree before you take any level of relationship further. You have to agree. You have to have a level of commitment before the conflict. Say commitment. commitment. Before the conflict. Say conflict. Because conflict. conflict's inevitable. 
and the conflict, the reason why these conflicts are hard, because relationships are hard. And the reason why relationships are hard is because you care. If you've ever said those phrases or that phrase, relationships are hard, that's because you actually care. Uh, I, I, I have a level of, of pity towards a person that, that says, yeah, I just kind of, it, relationships always in and outside of my life. I don't really care if I lose one. Like, you should care, and it should hurt a little bit. Now, I can always pick up in relationships because I have a forgiving heart, and, and if a person comes in a repentant heart, I'm always open to be able to entertain that again. Uh, but for the most part, there should be something that cares when conflict comes up in your relationship and division comes up in your relationship. It should hurt when people walk out in your relationship or when you have to walk out because you have a level of investment, you have a level of, of, of care for that person, and to see them out of your life, you don't know, really know where it's going to take you. And, and f so for me, like, I, I enjoy the gym. I like to work out, and people think that the, most, the reason why I like to go to the gym is because I like to work out. Well, that's true to an extent, but I actually have a lot of pain. I have a lot of pain in my life, and, and where I go to kind of release that pain in a healthy avenue is at the gym. I mean, nothing like throwing down a, a dumbbell to release my anger and my frustration or my disappointment. I think I've listened to Iridescent by Linkin Park one too many times. And if you know the song, you know the song. But if you don't know the song, you should look up the song. It's about letting things go. Now, that was before Frozen, okay? It wasn't let it go, let it go. It was, it, but it sounds so similar, it's the guy version of let it go, okay? So ch check it out. Like, I've listened to it one too many times, and now it's to the point that when I hear the song, it actually takes me to a place that I don't necessarily want to be my entire life. And, and so there's times where I have to skip it now in my playlist, and I, I've actually removed it from my playlist because it reminds me of things that I don't want to be reminded of. But I ask you the question, why don't you want to be reminded of it? And you, I would argue you don't want to be reminded of it because you probably haven't fully been healed from it. And that's okay. I'm not saying that you have to just pick up and move on because some of these things are very hard to move on from. And it would, it would behoove me to tell you, you just need to get over it. Like, that's such an immature level of response to someone that's been through a lot of pain. Now, whether it was something that was very traumatic or maybe just someone that just walked out on your life. But what I want to encourage you in is that if you keep getting reminded of it, it's because God wants you to be healed in it. Not only does he want you to be healed in it, but he actually wants to use it. And to the level of you being able to walk through it determines what God's going to do through it. You should be writing that down. That's like he's, he, he's starting to preach now. Pastor's starting to preach now. He's just going to be he's going to be going through here. All right, so I want to share a story with you on uh, the psalmist and, and David shares. David had a pretty rough life, and he had people that were backstabbing him at various different times in his life. And he describes one of these scenarios in Psalm chapter 55. Psalm chapter 55, verse 12, I believe it was. Yeah, he says, if an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. If a foe were rising against me, I could hide. But it is you, a man like myself, my companion, my close friend, with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship with at the house of God as we walked about among the worshipers. What's David talking about here? He said, I used to be really close to this person. We used to go to church together. We went to church together. We used to be worshiping God right next to each other. And, and I don't know your story. I don't know what you've gone through. But it's easy to have church hurt. But you cannot ever let your church hurt become your God hurt. Like, because you got a bunch of things that people immediately when they see something happen in church or something happens to you, they immediately paint the whole church that, uh, a certain color. But I don't know about you, but the church is full of broken people. 
Like, just because I have the mic doesn't mean that I'm not broken. And I want Caleb. Is Caleb still, still back there? I had him come out first service, and, and last time he, he came out a little bit later. But, hey, Harry, he's coming on that side this time. Everyone put your hands together for Caleb. All right. All right, so I work construction still on Friday, and, and Caleb works with me. Uh, we were out at a job over off like 96 and I Street and just replacing some windows. And, and I want you to know here at My City Church, there's room for your humanity. Why? Because I'm human. And if the pastor has humanity in him still, then we all have humanity in us. And so don't ever be fooled to think that the person with the mic is perfect or the person singing on stage is perfect or the person with the instruments or the person running anything is perfect. None of us are perfect until that dying breath when we are encountered with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So there is room for your humanity here. So there's got to be grace. And what precedes grace is repentance. So you got to be able to open up and be like, man, you know what? I was wrong in that. And so Caleb sees sometimes a different side of me. And I'm not one to get angry fast or often, but I do have a side of me where I do get frustrated. And, and we were working at a job the other day. It was, it was Friday. And I usually don't share fresh news with you guys like this. It's usually been processed and worked through. But how fast it is worked through is usually dependent on my um, uh, dependence upon the Lord. So just because time uh uh, surpasses does not mean that I actually work through it. Like, I can be there my whole life and never actually work through it. So time does not heal offenses. It does not heal wounds. But so after the work day on Friday, I went to the Lord because we had a, a job that I was thinking we're going to be done here in an hour, and we ended up being there four hours longer. And uh, what I ended up doing is I got frustrated. I got frustrated with some things. And, and Caleb volunteers at the church, and he helps out. And he's still willing to help out, even though he sees his pastor lose his temper every once in a while. I can't remember the last time I'd done that. I can't remember the last time. But it happened. It happened. And I'm thankful for a church that is forgiving and graceful enough that there's room for people's humanity. Amen? Amen. But this is, this is what happens when David's talking about this hurt that happened in the worshipers. And he said, we were worshiping together and got hurt by someone. So this is what happens is now we start to take our people hurt, which the church is full of imperfect people, right? It's pursuing a perfect God. So there's got to be room. And, and he takes this imperfect person and he, all of a sudden he paints the entire church that way and says, man, the church sucks. And so this is what happened is now we go and try to find sympathy with one another. And so we go and find our friends. And now this could be a good friend. If he's a good friend, he would kind of question what I'm saying. But if he's a bad friend and he's more of just a fan, he just kind of sympathizes and victimizes with me. You never want to be friends with the person that sympathizes with your victimhood. You, call, you be friends with someone that helps you rise above it, not succumb to it, right? Okay, so this is what happens. Man, bro, this thing happened at church and it sucks. You know what? I think the church sucks. What do you think about that? I don't think it sucks. Well, that would be a good friend, right? Because he's not agreeing with me. But so then I go around, and this is what we do on social media all the time, is sometimes we post stuff just because we're trying to get sympathy, just trying to find someone that agrees with us. So we jump from relationship to relationship to relationship till we are proved right. All we did was find someone that actually agreed with us, not someone that actually cares enough to disagree with us, right? So we go and we find, all right, well, that, that friend was a bad friend. Now I find, now I find a, a different person. Man, the church sucks. This all happened to me. Oh, yeah, it's awful. Yeah, this church sucks. This, so now we have a little pity party, and we go over here, and we just say, church sucks. It sucks. Church sucks. Church sucks. Church sucks. Church sucks. And, and so now we're over here, and we're just looking at it from afar, and all I did was find someone in my life that didn't challenge me, but all I did was they sympathized with my victimhood. So that's, that's it for Caleb. We put your hands together for Caleb. And that's more of just... That's more of a, just an example to describe what could have happened. He said, we were worshiping together. 
we are in the house of God together, right? This was the person that betrayed him, that he's looking at and saying, man, this, and he did not let, though, his church hurt or his people hurt turn him away from the Lord. We see this happen. Paul and Peter, Paul withstood Peter to his face in Galatians 2. He said he called him out in the midst of the congregation. We have Abram and Lot. We have Jesus and Peter. We have all sorts of different conflict in the Bible. And you have a choice to either live in it or live over it, walk through it or to stay in it. You have a choice with every single conflict that comes up. And so I, I classify these different types of wounds that we get. We get all sorts of different wounds. Wounds from a friend and then wounds from a friend. There's different types of examples. And we read in, in Proverbs 27 verse 5, it says, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. But an enemy multiplies kisses. Oh, you're just so great. You're so good. You're right. They're wrong. You're right. They're wrong. You need a friend in your life that is not a fan. But I hate to break it to you. If you got friends that agree with you 100% of the time, they are not friends. They are fans. You got to be able to have a friend that can wound you in the right way. So there's two different types of impacts. There's, there's wounds from a friend, wounds, quote unquote, from a friend, and then wounds from a, quote unquote, friend. And so this is what we do. We try to classify all of these different wounds as, as, as this is an illegitimate wound because it was from a friend. When I want you to take your eye off of the wound and put your eye on the friend, this is what people do. This is what I need to take you through. We take our eye off the wound and we say, well, they just weren't really a friend, so it was an illegitimate wound. But a wise person know how, knows how to heed advice from a friend or a quote-unquote friend. Leave that up there. Leave that up there. I'm going to read a verse here real quick. And don't throw this verse on the screen, but I'm just, Proverbs 7, 17, verse 10. A rebuke impresses a discerning person. Because a wise person can learn from a rebuke, whether it's from a friend or a quote-unquote friend. You determine if that wound will be used for good or if that wound will be used to tear you down. You do have a choice to make. Quit trying to say if this person was a friend or this person wasn't a friend. What I found, hindsight, 10, 15, 20 years later, is I look back on what I thought were wounds were actually used for my benefit. And you have the choice to make with every single wound that comes your way. Whether it's from a friend or from a friend, quote unquote, a wise person can grow through it. Now I don't mean that to kind of uh, minimize the hurt or the pain. Because it does hurt. And it hurt David so much that he actually started calling down curses on this friend. This, this church friend that he was with, he started saying, Lord, kill him. I don't know if it's been, ever been that bad for you in church, but he picks up in verse 15 of chapter 55. He says, let death take my enemies by surprise. Let them go down alive to the realm of the dead, for evil finds lodging, lodging, lodging among them. You can tell, you can see his hurt through his words. And if you listen to people closely enough, you can see their hurt through the way they talk about people. You can. And I encourage you not to surround yourself with someone long enough that is hurt before you end up taking their hurt and it becoming your hurt. Maybe challenge them to rise above. If a person is vomiting on you and gossiping, there's nothing wrong with being able to carry each other's burdens. But help them rise above it. 
not to succumb to it. And Lord, give us wisdom. Help us to be that church that doesn't just go around tearing each other down. Help us to be that church that doesn't just go around sympathizing when the world needs us to rise above it. Oh, they canceled you? Cancel them right back. Oh, we need to be able to cancel all these other organizations. They've canceled us. Let's cancel them. I understand that. And you speak with your money and you, you vote with your money. I understand all that. But I also know that we're called to be different from the world, right? And the Bible says if someone insults you or slaps you on the cheek, you turn the other cheek and you let them insult you or slap you on the other cheek. That doesn't mean that you can't defend yourself. But what that means is that I have a bigger standard. I'm the bigger man. That I don't respond just in the way the world responds. That's free. I'm just giving that to you. I don't know who that's for. But I've seen a lot of people let these things divide their relationships. And, and a lot of people get broken up because uh, things like this hurt you. And they hurt me. And watch. David has a choice either to succumb to his hurt. Let my death take my enemies by surprise. Let them go to the realm of dead. Let evil find lodging among them. But he makes a pivot right here in verse 16. Do you see it? He says, as for me. You see it? Let me, let me hear you. Let me hear, do you see it? He says, as for me, what will he do? He will call to God, and the Lord saves me. Do you see it? You have a choice to make every single day, every single conflict, every single difficulty, to turn to the Lord or to let that bitterness and conflict overtake you. See, I've seen a lot of people lose a lot of relationships. They've lost a lot of friendships over pitiful things that aren't even valid to an extent. Like, I've seen people lose relationships because someone voted for Trump. I've seen people lose relationships because someone voted for Hillary. I've seen people lose relationships because someone didn't vote at all. I've seen people lose relationships over how the church is. Hold on a second. Okay. Do you see the dichotomy there? What is the church? This is the people. Yeah, thank you. Whoever was saying that, right? Like, hey, there you go. Like, the church is the people. It's not the program. It's look around. You're the church. Whether you're a first time or you've been coming here for a long time, you are the church. Like, you're my city church. Like, this is your home. If you want to call it home, this is your home. Like, you're always welcome here. If you take a moment and you look around, and what I see happen, at least today, is I see a lot of people say, uh, the, the, the way the church is, is this. And I, I think for a moment, a church is more of the people than it is the program. I know that to be a fact. I'll take that to my dying breath. And, and we've, made, we've made denominations and all that stuff. I think it's fine. It actually gives a, a little bit of time for people to be able to know, like, what they're getting themselves into. So I have no problem with denominations. I think they're actually a good thing, right? What becomes a bad thing is when we get into a community and we end up cursing the program and then we are forced to leave the community and we're not surprised when we're not in each other's lives as much. Well, you didn't leave the church, you left the community. And that might be hard for someone to hear, and, but the, the truth is some of you guys have left churches and came here. And you may hang out with some people from the other churches and I, I think that's okay. I don't think it's okay if you're bad-mouthing the other church to that person that still goes to that church. That's a big no-go. Right? Like, you don't do that. Right? But the truth is, like, if you've left the church and, and you've came here, I mean, just take a moment to think about it. Do you still, are you still in that community? Well, I mean, probably not. Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? I don't think it's either. It's just a fact. Right? So, so let's call it what it is. I'm committing myself to a community. I'm committing myself to a people. 
I'm not committing to myself just a thing that I'm going to on a Sunday, but I'm actually committing myself to relationships and friendships that if rebuked, I hear them as friends and not as quote-unquote friends, right? Because iron's going to sharpen iron, so I'm going to commit myself to a community. There's nothing wrong, I don't think, with leaving a community to join another community. What's wrong is when you leave a community to join another community and then you stay stuck in that other community and never really, now you're not really plugged into any community. I could just take some moment. I'm, just, I'm talking to you as a father right now. I'm not talking to you as a pastor. As much as I'm telling you what I've seen and what I know to be true, the best thing for your life is to get plugged into some relationships where people can tell you no. And not to just jump around to, to place to place and to relationship to relationship because this person said I was wrong. And this is what I know about my role as a pastor. And I'm just, I'm just preaching ad lib right here for you. Is that I ultimately have to report to God by the way I pastor you. Right? So if you listen to me out of reverence for the authority that God has placed me, guess who's responsible for that? Me. Do you see it? Right? So there's a level of actually liberty by being under authority that gives you freedom for the most part, right? So I want to encourage you, and I don't know who this is for that I'm talking to, but that's the idea of community, and, and, and that's what it's for. And so David says, he's like, I'll call to the Lord. And, and I think for us to know some of these relationships that we've had are in seasons. Like I've been a pastor of My City Church for about two years, two years, two and a half years. Uh, lead pastor for just over two years. And I, I, I may, you may not know this, but Kelly and I, we were a part of LifeGate for two and a half years. We helped try to plant that Papillion campus, and that was great. I loved every moment of every season. And then before that, we were a part of Glad Tidings. Uh, we were an internship there, and I was there for about another two and a half years. And, and before that, I was a part of a church called Southridge Church. It's an Assemblies of God church out of Papillion. And then before that, I was a part of a church that I don't think exists anymore. It's called Three Rivers Church. It's a Southern Baptist church. And then before that, I was a part of a church called Cornerstone Church. And it was uh, over off like 132nd and F Street. And, and I say all that not to, not to share with all of my different churches that I've been a part of. But what I've known is that relationships have changed as my churches have changed. And so don't be surprised when your relationships change. Just double down and get plugged back in. But a lot of us were kind of reserved because we're hurt from things that are in the past. It's okay to be hurt. Just don't live there. Like, your place of pain is called to be a reference, not a residence. To learn from it, to grow through it. You're called to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, not dwell in it. Right? And so what will happen is if you carry that, especially here, you'll have a guarded heart and you're actually never able to open up to what God has for you. And you'll find yourself jumping to another relationship, another relationship. And my hope is that you will find healing here from any kind of hurt, whether you call My City Church your home, or maybe it's home for a few years, and then you, you're able to, to move on to another church or a different city, different city. It's my hope that when you move on from here, you move on whole. But what we're going to find is we're going to confront a lot of broken hearts. And it's my job to be able to confront broken hearts. It's actually the Holy Spirit working through me. Because God knows what you need more than I do. And so I'll say things that kind of tug on little things in your heart and it'll kind of, it'll kind of rub you a little bit because the Holy Spirit's knocking. Saying, hey, those things, like I want to work through that, that disappointment, that pain, that hurt because I want you to be whole. I don't want you to keep being guarded. I want you to learn how to trust again. And that's my goal. And 
I'll, I'll bring things up that'll help you walk through that. And I, I, I'm aware of what it means when I say dry bones come to life. Like, uh, as a church, I believe that we are called to help awaken our city to come alive in Christ. And what that means is I'm speaking to a bunch of people that are dead. And the reason why we're dead is because we're hurting, we're broken, and all that stuff's okay. Let's just live in reality and see where it's actually at. I've been broken by a lot of people. I've been hurt by a lot of people. What I'm talking to you today isn't about some fancy message that I prepared. It's my life. And I'm telling you as a father, you cannot stay here any longer. You got to be able to grow up and move beyond it. And it's available for you. And the Holy Spirit wants you to be able to move beyond it because he's wanting to do some things through you. And he's wanting to strengthen you. And he's wanting to, to, to call out the best of you. In order for him to do that, there's some voids that need to be filled by his Holy Spirit. And so I'll have you guys stand to your feet and, and uh, we'll, we'll kind of conclude today. We'll share just a little bit with uh, the end of the story. We talked about Abram and Lot. And, and I want to share with you the last part of that scripture, which is verses 14. We'll go through 18. So this is after Lot left. And I could imagine Lot, if maybe he was... Abraham, maybe he was looking down, or maybe he was looking at Lot leave. And a lot of us have lived our life to where when someone has left our life or we've lost relationships, we've just put our head down and we kind of live in the past. Or maybe we have tunnel vision and we just look at the fact that that person is out of our lives. Whether it be a family member, a partner, a spouse, a child, a parent, or a loved one. And we look and we have tunnel vision and we're so caught on tunnel vision that we can't see what God is doing and bringing around us. And I want to see, show you what the Lord says to Abram after Lot leaves. This is what the Lord is saying to you today. The Lord said to Abram after Lot had parted from him, look around from where you are to the north and south, to the east and west. Look around. You are caught up in them leaving your life, but you haven't taken the time to look up and look around to see the people that God is bringing into your life. God is bringing great people, great father figures, great mother figures, great children, spiritual children, great friendships into your life. And I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you today. Look around to the north, to the south. Look around. Take a moment. Look around. Like, look around. See the people that God is bringing into your life. And if you take a moment, you look in yourself, you can see the people that God is bringing into your life. I see this happen with people that are so heartbroken out of a boyfriend or a girlfriend that they lost that God could bring them a 10 out of 10 girl into their world and they miss it because they're so broken out of what they've missed they can't ever receive what God's bringing. He says, all the land that you see I will give to you and your offspring forever. The next verse. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth so that if anyone could count the dust then your offspring could be counted. Go, walk through the length and breadth of the land. He didn't just say to look around. He said, start placing your foot on it. Because you can't stay here. What happened, happened. What you lost, you lost. And that's okay to weep over it. It's okay to be hurt by it. I would be cautious if you weren't hurt by it. I'd be cautious if you weren't wounded by it. It's okay to be wounded by it. But start moving again. Because you're still alive. A good friend of mine, he's been sharing this message. He keeps sharing these things back and forth. I'm hearing it left and right. He, he says these things is, what matters most to you? 
And if you lost it, what would you do to give it back, get it back? Like what matters most to me, my wife and my kids, and what would I do to get them back? I would do everything. I would give up everything. And what matters most to you, what would you do to give it back? Well, you'd give up everything. So the truth is, what do you actually currently have? You have everything. And so you're weeping over what you've lost when you have everything you've ever needed and ever wanted, right? Now, some of you may say, well, Pastor, I've actually lost it. I've actually lost it, lost it. Like they, they've gone to be with the Lord or they passed away or there ain't no way they're on the other side of the world and there ain't no way they're coming back. And the truth is that you still have Jesus. And if you keep your eyes up, God will bring something that won't replace it, won't replace what you've lost, right? But he can restore the heart that was broken through it. So quit looking for a replacement. And so he says, go, and he says, walk through it. Walk through this land that I've given you. And so, so for me, I want to be able to give you some tools. Like, the only reason I'm able to talk about this is because I've gone through it. And I want to be able to share what has helped me, and I hope that it will help you on how I am able to walk through valleys and come out the other side. And we had a friend in here uh, at City Changers Night a few months ago. His name was Pastor Javen Chavez. He's, he's becoming a, a great friend of mine. And he, he prophesied over us, and he says, Eli, you, should, you guys don't even smell like smoke. Like, you should be so hard. You should be so so bittered, but this is what has helped me from being bittered and hard from the things that I've had in my life, and, and I, I share them with you today, is, is that I've made up my mind, and I've made up my mind, regardless of how people are, that God is good. People are broken. I'm also broken, and I've made up my mind to forgive. I've made up my mind to move on. It was a good, it was a good relationship for a season, and that's what it was. High school relationships are good relationships for a season. I've made up my mind that regardless of how many times I was wounded by friends who lied and cheated, I will not become hardened, but I will trust again. I've made up my mind to be a good friend, not just to look for good friends, but to set up my heart to be a good friend. I've made up my mind to open my heart to new friends. I've made up my mind that no matter what relationships are in my life or how long they're in my life for, that I'm going to steward them to the best of my ability. I've made up my mind to not have a relationship in order to get something out of someone, but in order to give something to them that will leave them better than how I found them. I've made up my mind that even if I feel alone, I'm actually never really alone. See, I have my wife, I have my kids, I have my church, I have people in my life that care. And just because the ones that I cared for left does not mean that the ones that I care, that care for me should be neglected. It is true that they left you. And it is also true that God has not left you. And I want to take a moment, and we're probably not going to go back into worship here. I want to take a moment to, to minister a little bit. And, and for me, like, what I've learned is that the moment I've said it in my heart to move on, to forgive, and move on, is the moment that God opened up a door for me to receive a new relationship. I don't know if that God was waiting for the relationships for me to move on to give me the relationships or if I never saw them because I refused to move on. I don't know which one it is. What I know is what happened is in my life, I have, I've had times where people have walked out and I said it in my heart and I said, Lord, 
I forgive them. Now help me open my eyes to the people that are around me. And in a moment's notice, God brought me some relationships that I couldn't have had in a hundred lifetimes how to get these relationships. One of them is my pastor, Pastor Phil Pringle, who's going to be preaching here next week, next Sunday. So be sure to be in the house. Maybe invite your grandparents, invite your parents, invite your friends uh, for a powerful word from my pastor. But that came out of the blue. That came out of a, a cold, wintry Saturday, Friday night. It was a snowstorm here, and it was snow in Atlanta. He's going to preach in Atlanta. And then he calls me up out of the blue and says, hey, are you guys having church? Is this snowing here? They're not doing church in Atlanta. I said, no, we're actually, we're actually men here in Nebraska, and, and we, we don't bat an eye when it snows a little bit, and we have church on a Sunday. And, and uh, God opened that up. And I want to encourage you that God has things for you. So be able to see the things that you've hurt from, to be able to give them to the Lord, let him work through them, and watch the people that he brings into your life. Amen? Amen. Has this word blessed anyone today? I hope it has. I'm glad you're in the house of God today. I want to take a moment. I, we want to give an opportunity every single Sunday. I don't like to do this without passing it up. We want to give an invitation for those that would like to uh, invite the Lord Jesus to be Lord of their life. And, and what it is, it's a simple prayer that I want to pray and I want to pray with you. And so just a moment, I'm going to ask that you lift up your hand because I want to know who I'm praying for today. And so with every head bowed, and you're saying, Pastor Eli, you're talking to me. I've never given my life over to Jesus. Or maybe I've, I've walked away from the Lord and I've been gone and, it's, and I want to come back today and I want to give my life over to the Lord today. I've got good news for you, my friend. Today is your opportunity. So if I'm speaking to you right now, let the Holy Spirit speak to you. And I want you to lift up your hand on the count of three because I want to say a prayer with you today. So if you're saying, Pastor Eli, that's me. I want to give my life over to the Lord today. Would you lift up your hand on the count of three? One, two, three. Shoot up your hand. Shoot up your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If this message encouraged you, help us get the word out. Consider sharing it with a friend, rating, or subscribing. If you want to know more about our church, check out our website at mycitychurch.cc or our Instagram at mycitycentral. We look forward to sharing another encouraging word with you next week. God bless.